I chose to speak in Hebrews 11 tonight. Um, reason why is because I read it a couple months ago and it kind of just it changed things for me. Um, I learned some stuff through it. And I wanted to preach through the whole chapter of Hebrews 11, but I figured out that that would be a lot. <laughs> it would be hours and hours and hours and hours, and most of you would probably leave. So I figured that we'll probably hit on the key main theme of Hebrews rather than the actual... Um, verse by verse, so it's not expository, I'm sorry, but it is a little more topical. So, for Joe's appeasement, we're going to start out with context. What exactly was the context of Hebrews? Well, Hebrews was written to Jewish people who had converted, converted to Christianity, but were tempted to convert back to their old ways of Judaism. And the problem with Judaism was that they live by a righteousness that was based on works and not by faith. They believed that they could work their way to God and they saw the Old Testament people as doing good works and God finding favor in the works rather than their faith. So that's where we come into Hebrews. If you read Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10 establishes basically the foundation or the principle or the idea of salvation by faith for, these, for the audience. And Hebrews 11 hits on the people in the Old Testament that God used, that didn't find, and he was trying, they're trying, the author's trying to show in Hebrews 11 that God didn't find favor in their works, but rather their faith allowed them to do such great works. You see, what Judaism had become was despised by God because they saw them as good, they saw their works as righteous, when that's not the case. So that's kind of where we pick up in Hebrews 11, um, that it's just, Many of you heard it, might have heard it as the Heroes of Faith chapter or the Honor Roll of Old Testament saints. It's just to show faith. It's to show where faith was in the Old Testament and to show the Jews that these people were faithful rather or counted for counted righteous by their faith. Um, so I do want to hit start in Hebrews eleven six. Um, I'm gonna read there first, and this this verse is kind of the key. Um, main theme of what actually Hebrews, this by faith passage is really trying to explain. It says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's the main point of Hebrews, this whole by faith passage. Hebrews is written as sermons. Um, so the whole by faith passage, that was the key, that it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is required to please God. You see, the Old Testament people had to rely upon promises of God. They relied upon what he said as true. They lived as if their entire hope was based on the promises of God. And now we're going to hit back to Hebrews 11. 1 this is where my probably... Most of my sermons coming from is Hebrews 1 through 3 because it hits hard. And so it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that it was seen was not made out of things which are visible. So to kind of understand what the author's saying there, we'll hit. Basically, what he's giving is a definition of faith. It's not a full theological definition of faith, but it is two key components to faith, two very important 
ideals of faith that need, are required. And first when he says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Assurance. Assurance. So what is assurance? Assurance is knowing that faith has no uncertainty. Your faith has no doubt in the promises of God. It's putting your faith and your trust in God rather than the world. It's believing in a God whose audible voice we've never heard. Believing in a Christ whose face we've never seen. And by doing so, that faith has a reality. It has a substance. It has something to be grasped. It's the most real things in our mind is the promises of God. Which leads to the next point of conviction. See, if we believe, if we have assurance and we believe in the promises of God, it results in convictions of things not seen. So what's conviction? Conviction is living with the certainty that whatever discomfort or pain or hardship we're going through, we endure it for Christ's sake. We endure it because we understand that these light, momentary afflictions are yet preparing us for the eternal weight of glory that is to come. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 17-18. So, Faith is the firm ground on which we stand upon. It's the firm ground on which we base everything on. It's believing in God's promises. See, the Old Testament people in here, they relied upon the promises of God. And really, when you read through it, it says, by faith, Jacob, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses. They did this, they did this, they did this. It's showing, it's using this template, this outline in verse 1, assurance and then conviction. By faith, they knew the promise of God. And conviction, they acted upon the promises of God. They believed the promises of God. I told you earlier, faith has two components. So the assurance is believing in what God says is true, and then the conviction is living as if you really believe those promises. It should imply a response, an outward, an outward manifestation of an inward assurance. A person of faith lives his beliefs. That's what the whole of chapter 11 is really trying to say that these people lived by faith. They lived what they believed. They didn't just, you know, say they knew it, but it resulted, it caused them to act. But we have such weak faith nowadays. We have such weak faith. What strikes me as odd and interesting is that we have a natural faith. We have faith in the building. We have a faith that's not going to collapse right now. We have a faith in our car to get us from point A to point B. We have faith in things that aren't lasting. We have faith in things that are just are going to deteriorate. We have faith in things that are going to be destroyed. But yet, when it comes to putting our faith in the thing that lasts, we have such a hard time doing it. We have such a hard time doing it. And this is where I really want to hit on Hebrews 11, 32 through 40. If you read along with me there, this just shows you how strong their faith was. And what more shall I say? I'm starting in verse 32. What more shall I say? For time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jepheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release. 
so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They, were, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something far better. But apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That pumps me up. Like, to think that, think to Gideon. He had 300 men going up against thousands. To have faith like that. Sounds like something I would do, but to go up to a lion and, and be like, halt or kneel. To have faith like that. That just, it pumps me up that that's possible. But why do we have such weak faith nowadays? Why do we think that we can't do those things? Why do we think that we can't conquer mountains or can't conquer armies or move mountains? Why do we have such a weak faith? See, the people in the Old Testament, they were shown, they, they weren't counted righteous by their works, but they were shown and they found favor and they were righteous because of their radical trust in God. They'd all, most of them died without actually seeing the promises God fulfilled. But they still had perfect hope in God. They still had perfect hope that the things that he promised were to be true. See, the problem is why we have such a weak faith is because our eyes aren't on heaven. Our eyes aren't on the things that aren't visible. Our eyes are on the things that are tangible, of what we can feel. We wonder why we're not happier in God. We wonder because nothing in this life, even the earthly blessings that God does give us, will ever be as satisfying as the assurance of our faith and the assurance of God's promises. We don't understand that worldly things, they're not going to last. We don't base the reality upon what's real, what's lasting. See, the faith illustrated in Hebrews 11 it takes the word of God, it takes it for what it is, and it risks it all for it. It doesn't ask for signs, for miraculous things. That's not faith. That's doubt looking for proof. Jesus said to Thomas in John 20, 29, Blessed are those who did not see, but believed. Faith is opposite from our human nature. We wonder why it's hard. It's because it's opposite of the world. It's opposite of our human nature. It's opposite. It often requires accepting something that's not logical or reasonable. See, the world sees our faith, Christian faith, as insanity. And it sounds insane. Believing in a God we can't see. Believing in a Christ we don't, we haven't seen. Believing in a heaven and a hell, a Holy Spirit. It sounds insane. It sounds absolutely, utterly insane for the world. But we, we know, what we should know and we should have in our minds is that our God cannot lie. Our faith should know that our God cannot make a mistake. Our faith should know that our God cannot do any wrong. That He cannot be defeated. That He can't be surpassed. Our faith should know those things. Because a God like that, a God of the Bible, is worthy of being trusted. It's worthy of having a whole obedience in that's insane. 
not to put our faith in a God like that, not to put our trust in a God like that. We don't understand that we have a good God. We have a God that is greater than the heavens, is above our thoughts. We have a God that is so big. And we're so low compared to him. Right faith is based in right theology. Having that, knowing that our God is great and our God is better. See, faith is so easy. It's easy when we don't face persecution. It's easy when everything's are going right. It's easy when we're surrounded by believers. Faith is tested when we go through pain and through suffering. It proves in disasters. I get it. We have struggles. We have pain. Financial stress. Relationship stress. Somebody might have died. I get that. It's hard to have faith in those times. But when you understand that the promises of God are greater than those struggles, they're better than those struggles, that they promise, God promised to be there for us in those struggles. They're light and they're momentary and they're only preparing us for glory. Oftentimes faith is the reason for our struggles because it's opposite of what God says. So just keep that in mind, Christians, that our faith is sometimes the reason for our struggles. Keep that in mind. Many of the afflictions mentioned in Hebrews 11:35 through 38 were long-term sufferings. They were lifetime sufferings. They were suffering, sufferings that God did not take away, but God let them suffer through it. See, God, it's important to know God's promises. God promises to, to be there through us. He doesn't promise to escape from our problems. He promises to be a, there with us through those problems. As it is sometimes God's will for us to escape the problems, it's also sometimes God's will for us to suffer through those problems. We just need to understand that our faith should be based in things that <laughs> are lasting, that are true, that aren't going to fade away. Then, I mean, Only then can we really have true assurance and be led to conviction to do things, to do radical things like Gideon and Barak and Samson and Abram. As I was going through this, one commentary kind of put it that the Old Testament people had it hard when it came to believing in promises. They had it hard because what they had was only, they didn't have the fulfillment of those promises. That's what it means when, in Hebrews 11, when it says, um, in, the, in these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. That's what it means by that. That they did not receive, they didn't see, always see the promises of God fulfilled in their lifetime. They didn't see the promises of the Messiah fulfilled in their lifetime. How much harder would it be for them to have faith? They had to wait 1500 years for the Messiah to come after the covenant. So we think about that. They had such a hard time. They had it hard. We have it easy. We get to look back. Our salvation is secured. Our salvation is made known to men. So why do we have such a difficult time with it? Why do we have such a difficult time in trusting in our God? 
trusting what's real, trusting what's lasting. I encourage you guys to think. Think about that. And I get it. I, I struggle with myself. That's partially why I wanted to talk about it tonight because it's helped me. I know I want to place all my hope and all my trust in me because I know me. I trust me. I know what I can do. I know what I can do. You guys don't understand that we're so low. We're so hopeless without our God. We're so hopeless without faith. Life has no purpose without faith. We need to understand that, that our God deserves to be trusted, deserves to have our own faith, deserves to be seen as greater than ourselves because without Him, we're doomed. Without faith in Him, we're doomed. See, so yes, I'd call you to have radical faith. I'd call you to do things that you would not otherwise do because that's what faith leads to. Faith leads you to be able to conquer armies. Faith leads you to be able to go talk to somebody in the subway. Faith leads you to talk to a panhandler on the side of the road and share the gospel. Because you know the promises of God. You know what He says. You know that not, man can do nothing to you, that no one can snatch you from His hand. So, we need to have spiritual faith. So where does that spiritual faith come from? And I'm going to jump to Hebrews, I'm going to jump to Ephesians 2.8 because I feel like that really answers it says, by grace you've been saved through faith. And it's not the doing of it's not according to your own works, but it's a free gift of God. Faith is a gift of God. It's from God. We can't do anything to receive that faith. It directly comes from God. So again, it seems odd to me, but putting your whole trust and your whole faith that God will grant you strong faith. We need to pray, and I know it sounds cliche, I know it sounds cliche, but sometimes Christian cliches are cliche for a reason. We need to pray for that kind of faith. We need to be, to have assurance of the things of God. We need to be able to place our trust in the promises of God. We need to be sure. And how can we be sure that we're sure? Because it causes us to do things we otherwise wouldn't do. Spiritual faith must come from God, and I encourage you to go to God. Don't rely upon your own human exertion, your human intellect. Right faith is based in right theology. I know it's kind of short, but <laughs> that's all I have for tonight. So, let's pray. Lord, I... Thank you that I was able to get through that, really. Um, oh Lord, I pray for the hearts and the minds of these people, that it would affect them, that your word would change their lives radically, that they'd be encouraged to do things, that great things for you. They'd be able to conquer 
armies, that they'd be able to stop mouths of lions, that they'd be able to do radical things and have so much faith and trust in you, that people would look at them and see them as insane. Give us faith, Lord. Give us strong faith. Don't let, us don't let us live comfortably or as if this world should be spent, wasted away. Let us live recklessly. Let us live a faith-based life to know that your promises are true and to believe those things. Because if we believe those things, God, we know that it will cause us to do things that we otherwise wouldn't do. We can have strong faith in you, Lord, and I pray that you would grant strong faith to the Christians in here, Lord. Please just grant us strong faith. Grant us a radical faith. Help us to be like the people in Hebrews 11, to have strong faith, to please you in our faith, Lord. Amen.